We're going to go into today's scripture reading, which comes from Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 9 in the ESV. There are uh, some ESV Bibles under the pews. Um, Also, if you want to look that up uh, on your own, if you have a Bible or a Bible app. Uh, But we will also project it behind me. Uh, And for those who are joining us at home, sometimes I know it's kind of hard to read the scripture on the screen. So you may want to look that up on your own. Again, it's Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And once you are ready to read the scripture, if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word for us today. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, as we are learning to go deeper into uh, spiritual things and you know, growing deeper in our faith in Christ and going deeper into relationship with God, um, I do think Thanksgiving is a very important thing. You know, I know that's something that probably uh, has been on our minds. You know, how can it not be that the, the holiday is literally called Thanksgiving? And I have to say, I just want to share with you guys, uh, I have mixed feelings about a very common uh, way of celebrating Thanksgiving. I don't know about you guys in your family, or maybe you've seen this on TV, when you, when you have like a bunch of people gathered for Thanksgiving. Um, do you guys do this in your family where you go around and you take turns saying one thing that you're thankful for? Anyone do that? Anyone do that a few days ago? No, not many? I see a few people. Okay. Uh, Do you guys like that? Do you guys like that tradition? You guys seem very ambivalent. Even the people who are raising their hands are just like, I don't know. I don't know if I like it. I don't really think about it. I just kind of have to do it. So I tend to like overthink things sometimes. It it is uh, both a good thing and a bad thing. Usually bad. (laughs) I'll be honest. But I've been thinking about that tradition, and I have mixed feelings on it. On one hand, I think it is good because, yeah, I think there are times where we do take things for granted, and we have to be reminded to give thanks. It's actually good for us to give thanks. There's all of these studies that have been shown that, you know, it's, like, good for your health. It's good for your mental health. It's good for your spirit and your soul. All these things to be thankful. And just, it's just kind of like our default nature that we're not always thankful, right? We just kind of plow through life, and we just kind of get busy, distracted, we get stressed, and just whatever shiny object or whatever loud thing or whatever stressful thing that is on the horizon, it just tends to grab our attention. And so the everyday stuff in life, it's just kind of the way we're programmed, that if something is common to you, you just don't notice it, even the good things, right? And so it's usually not until you don't have it that, 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 that you, you, you notice it, right? And so sometimes like our family, right? 
I mean, some of us, we don't appreciate our family until we lose it, right? We don't appreciate, you know, sometimes, like, if you're at a certain economic level, right? You don't appreciate how good you have it until it dips significantly, right? And, and so this is the way it is. And so it's not bad to be reminded to be thankful. And yet, there's something about it that just, I don't like it because it just seems very forced and artificial, And I think in many ways you go around and everyone says the same things. And again, I don't think it's bad if you're genuine. But if you're just like, okay, what are those things that you always have to say? Like family, I'm thankful for the food, right? I'm thankful for my health, right? Like how many more things can you say, you know? And so sometimes like, again, if it's sincere, if you're like, no, I'm thankful for every one of you. You look them in the eye, you get a little teary, everyone gets emotional, you have that moment. But come on, how many times does that happen? Or it's like, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for all of you guys. I'm thankful for the turkey. It looks really moist, you know? It's like, it just, again, it feels a little artificial. And so again, friends, I think there's something about Thanksgiving that I think can be really good and very spiritual and something that's very needed for our lives. But I often equate Thanksgiving with praise and worship. And I was thinking about this. I think the problem that we have with worship is very similar to the problem that I have with Thanksgiving, is that sometimes it can be forced, right? There's a sense in which we tell people, hey, you must worship God. If you don't worship God, there's something wrong with you. How dare you focus on other things other than your focus on God? God created you. How bad do you feel that you're not thankful for what God has given you or that you skipped a Sunday, right? Or, or that you forgot to pray before you ate. You're a terrible person. You're a sinner, you know? And, and sometimes I think that we think of it that way. Like, you know, so, some of us, like, uh, we were talking about this uh, praise team. We gather the praise and media. We gather before the service. And sometimes, you know, there are people who are sharing, like, oh, man, you know, I know my priority should be God. But oftentimes it's not. And it's almost said with this kind of like guilt. Like you hang your head like, I know my priority isn't God, you know, but it should be. And you know that. But friends, I just wonder if that's the energy that we need. That energy of guilt and shame and not doing enough. Like how dare you not be thankful? How dare you not not worship God? And friends, I think that there's something that we're missing. And and so I want to talk about that today. And so this is a very famous passage within Philippians. And Philippians, I think you guys know, it is often thought of as the letter of rejoicing. Because it says it so many times, and it says it here. And rejoicing, we get joy, we get thanksgiving, we get praise. There's a lot of that. So I think this is a very appropriate uh, passage to read. So it says... Rejoice in the Lord always. I will, again, I will say rejoice. Again, that can feel like a forced thing, but just think about that word rejoice. I mean, how weird is it to say to someone, hey, have joy. Be really joyful. And you're like, okay, like what? That doesn't make any sense, right? Joy, it needs to be genuine, right? You, you can't fake rejoicing. Hooray, right? Like, or, or how about this? Hooray. That makes no sense. Is that rejoicing? No. Rejoicing needs to come from a genuine place. But again, Paul is saying we should be rejoicing always. Again, I say rejoice. He's reminding us. I mean, he's talking to Christ followers, people who know this. 
But why does Paul keep saying it again and again? Because he knows that we're not. He knows that we need to be reminded. He knows that for many of us, we just go through the motions. And so he needs to remind them. Why can we rejoice in the Lord always? Again, it's in the Lord. It's not rejoice because of the Lord. It says rejoice in the Lord. Why can you do that always? Because the Lord is always with you, right? And so that is implying if you're rejoicing in the Lord always, well, you got to think about it. If you are in the Lord, you're going to have reasons to rejoice. Why? Because God is joy. Because God is good. God is the ultimate good. Can you imagine that you are in the Lord? Not apart from the Lord, but you have this sense that God is with you and you are in God. We were talking about that last week, the idea of union. You know God is with you, right? How is that going to change your heart? Are you going to be like, well, let's just go through the motions. We don't tend to understand this, friends. We have made this some kind of like spiritual saying that just, it's like esoteric and it has no implications on our everyday life. We just say it. Like, rejoice in the Lord. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, rejoice in the Lord. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No. If you were actually in the Lord, right, and the Lord was in you, I mean, in many ways, I feel like it's just going to be natural to rejoice. You're like, oh, my gosh, God is with me. Right? God, the creator of the whole universe, how great is this? Right? I, I think it would change your affect. I think it would change your mood. I think it would change the way you look at the world. And so the problem is, it it isn't that we're not rejoicing more. Well, it is in a way, as a secondary thing. But the problem then is that we're not in the Lord enough, right? Because if you were, you would be rejoicing, right? So it says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Again, you guys remember what we talked about. When it talks about the kingdom of God, And it says the kingdom of God is at hand, right? What does that mean? The actual Greek means the kingdom of God has arrived, right? And I've told people this many times. The kingdom of God is not something far away, right? Because this was good news. This was news. It was a new thing that Jesus was telling people. People already believed in the kingdom of God coming far away. It's not here. But to say the kingdom of God has arrived, that was new, right? If the kingdom of God is at hand, where is it? Where's my hand? It's right here, right? The Lord is at hand, right? So this idea that we don't need to be anxious about anything because the Lord is here. We can rejoice always because the Lord is here and because we know it. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. So it's not to say that your life isn't going to have trouble, that there's not going to be things that you need to pray about. Of course you are. But there is this idea that, yes, you can let your requests be made known to God, but do it with thanksgiving. Do it because you know that God is on your side. You know that it's ultimately going to be okay if you knew God was with you not far away from you, judging you and making you feel bad. And like God was like a goal that you had to aspire to. That's the way a lot of us think about religion. We think we have to climb the ladder to God. But the reality is God came down to us. 
God sent Jesus to be with us. God sent Jesus and Jesus took the cross and died for us in order that that separation between us and God could be closed, right? There was something separating us. It is our own sin, right? We cannot measure up. We know that that is the message of the law in many ways, or the lesson of the law, right? We've tried to be good and to climb our way to God, and we couldn't do it. But Jesus came down to us, and he's reaching down to us. Think about, we talked about, uh, I I think a few weeks ago, Peter, right? Like he's sinking in in the water because he's like, okay, I'm coming out to you, Jesus. And, and, And he starts sinking because he starts paying attention to the waves and he starts getting scared and he starts not trusting God anymore, not trusting Jesus. And he starts sinking. He says, save me. And what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? Is he like, have more faith, man. Come on, come on. You got to figure this out. No, he reaches down. He saves Peter. This is what he's doing with all of us. Jesus is always reaching out to us. Yeah, we're not measuring up, guys. Yeah, we're not making it. But Jesus is reaching down to us. We know that God is on our side because of the cross. That's our proof, right? And so Jesus is always here with you. And so we can be thankful. We can make our requests known to God. We don't have to have this anxiety that God is far away, that God doesn't care about us, that we're messing up all the time. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, there it is. In Christ Jesus, the peace of God, we can have that. We can be at peace Because we know God is with us and for us. So finally, brothers and sisters, this is actually what I want to focus on. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Okay, so friends... I think this is our problem. We're not doing this verse. Again, I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. I'm just saying this as just fact, right? It it just is what it is, right? So what are we thinking about? I think a lot of us are thinking about things that are less than this. We're thinking about things that aren't quite true. You know, I mean, they're kind of true. You know, we're thinking about what? What are you guys thinking about? You're thinking about, how am I going to make money? What job am I going to get? Do people like me? Am I, and, and am I somebody who stands out? You know, am, I, am I good enough at my job? And friends, I'm not saying that these things aren't real. But they don't quite measure up to what uh, Paul is talking about here. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Some of us were thinking about, how do I get pleasure? You know, I'm bored. I, I need excitement in my life. I feel like I'm missing something. And what a lot of us end up looking for are things that are of this world, material things, 
right? Most of us, that's what it's about. It's about the stuff of earth. It's about people. It's about experiences. It's about things you can touch. What do you think Paul is talking about here? Do you think he's talking about stuff? Or do you think he's talking about spiritual things? When it's talking about what is true, what is honorable, what is pure, what is lovely, what is excellent, what is worthy of praise, he's talking about the things of Christ, right? These are the things that are really worth paying attention to. And these are not material things, right? And so for most of us, Our eyes are not on those things. Our minds are not on those things. That's not what we're thinking about all of the time, right? Again, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad, but just it is what it is. And if it's not, I think there are implications for what we find to be worthy. If there is anything worthy of praise, worthy of praise, what is worthy of praise? By the way, friends, if the things of this world are worthy, I'd say think about it all the time. Focus on it. The message here is not that things of the earth are bad inherently. They're not bad. They're just not worthy. Right? And so, friends, uh, I want to show you that the, the, the problem a lot of us have is a problem of the eyes. Well, we're going to use the eyes as uh, symbolic. What are you focused on? What are you thinking about? What are you looking at? What do you desire? When you look at something, you're like, oh, i got to have that. Oh, man, that is so good. What are the things that you think of when you think of those things? It's so easy to sit here and and to be at church and be like, oh, yeah, it's God, right? I'm not sure that it is, right? And in Matthew, which we've gone over this before, but I think it is very instructive to look at this idea that Jesus has this dichotomy between the things of earth and the things of heaven, right? Heavenly things and earthly things. And, and, and what you truly are treasuring, or in another way of putting it, where do you find your worth? So let's look at this. And I think what Jesus is saying is it's a problem of the eyes. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and worm destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and, and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What are treasures in heaven, friends? What are treasures in heaven? Spiritual things, right? The things that only God can give you. God's presence, God's grace, God's love, God's peace, God's Holy Spirit. These are the things of heaven. And what, what, what the scripture is telling us is that those things will always last. But the problem is, is that the things of this world will rust. They will go away. So again, friends, it is not a question of you're wrong and you're bad because you're going after these things and you should feel bad and God's going to punish you. No, 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 no. We've already said, friends, Jesus has died for you. He's already done it all, right? It's like if you trust in what Jesus did, right, it's not a question of whether you are pleasing God in this sense and if you don't, then you're going to be punished. Punishment is not the question here. But it is in many ways, like, like, think about this, like, you know, you could eat a really nice meal, or you could have McDonald's. This is the choice my family had. We were going down to uh, Cincinnati, 
And uh, we had to figure out dinner, uh, lunch on the way. And so usually we just hit McDonald's, right? It's just easy. It's just fast. And my wife was like super hungry. And she's like, we're not getting McDonald's today. We get McDonald's every single time we go on a family trip that, that we're, we're just, right? We're just, it, we're just passing through, right? We're trying to go from point A to point B. So we get the quickest, fastest meal. And so what my wife did was she figured out that we were going to be passing Toledo. And it was a little bit out of the way. We had to go on some side roads. But on the way was all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue and hot pots. Which would you rather have? Which would you rather have? Which is going to satisfy you more? Now, so, some of you guys, I don't know. Do you guys like McDonald's? Any of you guys like McDonald's? Yeah? Would you rather have that than all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue and hot pot? No one's raising their hands. If you're watching this at home, no one is raising their hands, right? One is clearly better and more satisfying. I know this is like the most, it's not the most sophisticated example, but this is what Jesus is saying. You have McDonald's and you have eternal, heavenly, the best Korean barbecue. Which one are you going to seek? What is your treasure? What's the one that you're going to want? Right? And so it's not a question of, well, you're just a bad person or, you, you, you know, God's going to punish you if you get the McDonald's. It's not about that, but you're missing out. Right? And, and I know the example is not the best, but okay, let's say that you eat the McDonald's and you just get like the worst stomach ache, right? Now, by the way, if you eat too much Korean barbecue, you're going to get stomach ache too, you know? But I don't know, you, you guys ever eat like just really crappy food and you just, you just feel crappy, right? It's like you are what you eat and you eat the stuff and you're like, why did I eat this? You just eat a bunch of potato chips or a bunch of tacos and you're just like, oh my gosh, I got heartburn, I got indigestion. Why did I do that, right? But sometimes we look at it and we just think we don't have options. If all you saw was McDonald's, if my, my wife didn't look up and find the Korean barbecue place, to me, I'm just like, what option do we have? It's just McDonald's. It's just right off the highway. Let's just go there. But if you knew there was another option, which one would you pick? And so this is the problem that we have. A lot of us, we're not looking at the other option. We got tunnel vision. We're going through life, and all we see is McDonald's. All we see is the material stuff. All we see is money and pleasure. And these things that they rust, they don't last. It's not just they give you indigestion. It's that you're going to be hungry again. Right? They're just going to go away. Every pleasure is this way. Right? Friends, I tell people this all the time. Some people are like, Pastor Steve, I don't want spiritual things. And I'm like, that's okay. I can't force you to want spiritual things. But this is one thing that I would want you to do. I want you to keep your eyes open. I want you to be honest about all of the things that you are chasing, all of the pleasures that you are getting in this world. Just be honest about it. Right? Because this world is telling you, that's all there is. You got to live for this. This is the best treasure. Woo! Aren't we having fun? Right? Isn't this like the best thing? How long does it last? Seriously, think about anything that you have done that is pleasurable in this world. Anything. Anything that you've bought, right? There's this whole thing in America. Our whole economy is <laughs> almost built around it. Retail therapy. You buy this thing and you feel good about it. Friends, uh, some of you guys know I, I do some like buying and reselling you know, eBay type stuff, and those kinds of things. So I get packages every day, and it feels like Christmas. Yesterday, we came back, and our 
porch was ridiculous. I had 12 packages to open. And I'm going to tell you, right? It feels like Christmas. I was kind of excited, right? I opened them up, and I got to tell you, I think the enjoyment was gone by the time they were open. Let's be honest. You guys do some Black Friday shopping? Has it come in yet? Okay, you guys can practice. Is, is it coming in tomorrow? And how many people got some packages coming on Monday? You open it and you just do a little experiment, okay? It's not me telling you you're a bad person. It's just open your eyes. Open your heart. Be honest. How long does the enjoyment last? You open that thing up like new clothes, electronics. How long does it last? Does it last five seconds, five minutes, five weeks, five years? How long is that going to last? I don't care what it is, friends. Seriously, there's nothing that I bought in this life. Like, I mean, you know, I I talk about this all the time, that like there's youth group kids who are like, Pastor Steve, tell my parents to buy me a phone. I can't wait to have a phone. I'm like, you guys don't even know. You're going to get that phone, and that phone's going to be a ball and chain. (laughs) you're going to be a zombie when you're on this phone, you know? And I don't know anyone who has the same enjoyment of this thing. Like, you know, a year, even like a month down the road from the moment that you got it. Yeah, you might be excited. You're like, iPhone 15, woo! A year from now, iPhone 16, you're like, this is garbage. I need a new one, right? Let's be honest. Let's be honest, Is it worth it? Is it worth it? That is the question. It's not, you're bad. It's, is it worth it? Is it really worth it? Because we're all living our lives for these things. Why do you work? Why do you do any of this stuff? We do it so we can buy more stuff. For what? To make you happy for five seconds? Maybe at most you're happy for a day, maybe? I don't know. Because some of the things that I buy, like, I'm only excited, like, when I get it, you know, and then I, when it's out of sight, out of mind, I'm not happy anymore, right? Maybe I'd remember, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I got this, but that fades, man. It's not there a month from now. It's not there a year from now. I'm just being honest. It's not. But we all do it. It's the only game in town. Again, we're driving down the highway. All we think is McDonald's, so we only eat McDonald's. But Jesus is trying to tell us there's something better. There is something heavenly, right? And so he tells us the eye is the lamp of the body. The eye is what lights things up. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. So think about it this way. If your eye is right, if your eye is focused on the right things, your whole body will be right, okay? But if your eye is bad, if your eye is off, if, if it's not fixed on the right things, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in, in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So Jesus is saying that our eyes are bad. We're not seeing fully. We got that tunnel vision, and all we see are these very inferior earthly things. It's all you can see. And he's like, your, your whole life is just full of darkness. You just don't even know. What we need to do is we need to have like that vision expanded. We need our eyes to be light. We need to be lit up so that we can see things as they truly are, right? 
And so he says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot worship God and money. Because why? So think about that word as worship. Today's message, it's called worth-ship. What is worship? It is what you find the most worth in. So what Jesus is telling us, it's just a fact. You can't worship two things equally. You just can't. One is always going to be worth more to you, right? You're going to look at God, and you're going to look at money. And for a lot of us, we make one the ultimate thing. We look at money, and we think this is going to save us. This is going to make us happy. This is going to fulfill us. This is going to make us safe. If I can have enough money, then I can have the best security system then I can have the safest car, the best car, the ones with all of the AI, you know, automatic driving stuff, and it's always going to swerve before a car hits me. It's going to make me safe. If I can have this thing, then everything will be okay. That's the lie we're all told, right? And so all of us, we're chasing that, and we find our worth in that. And by the way, even Christians, don't get this twisted, friends. There are so many Christians, we focus on the wrong thing. What everyone is telling us is, okay, Jesus died for your sins. Believe that. That's a little footnote in your life, okay? And maybe you go to church, and maybe you worship on Sundays, but then you go and you find worth in whatever you want. That's not Christianity. That's not the truth. They are selling you a bill of goods That is the American dream wrapped up in Christian wrapping paper. And that's all that a lot of American Christianity is giving us. And they're saying, yes, we worship the same thing everyone else does. Well, they're not going to say it that bluntly. But that's the reality. Everyone's worshiping money, and we're like, I can have a little God on the side. It's not what Jesus says. You can only worship one. You can only worship one because one is going to be the thing that you find most worthy. And the other thing is going to be completely secondary, right? So friends, on the one hand, I think a lot of us, we know what it looks like to worship money. That's the, <laughs> that's the true religion of America. Don't get it twisted, right? We did a whole sermon on Mammon, so I'm not going to get too much into that. But friends, what we want to talk about is the other side. How can we find God the most worthy? And friends, so, you know, this is really the question that we have. So again, I want to go back to the beginning when I was talking about how, like, worship can be so forced, Thanksgiving can be so forced. Can you imagine, um, have you guys ever seen um, Prince of Egypt? Anyone see this movie? It's like that, that old uh, DreamWorks animation, right, about the story of Moses and the Exodus. And in the beginning of the movie, as you, know, you would imagine, there's the, 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 the depiction of Moses uh, encountering the burning bush for the first time. And one of the things that always strikes me about that is Moses encounters the burning bush, and afterwards, he's just like, eh, okay, where's the sheep? Where are the sheep? Of course not. Of course that's not his experience. Do you guys remember? He like falls on his knees, and he's just like, Like, he's completely enthralled. And after the experience, he's wiping tears out of his eyes. He has changed, 
right? That is worship. When you encounter God, when you experience God, you can't just be like, eh. You're going to see the worth. When you behold God, when you truly encounter God, you're never going to be the same. We're so enthralled. We're like, oh my gosh, God is so beautiful. God is so awesome. In fact, there's so many people, they're overwhelmed. They're like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going to die. Right? That is the encounter that people have when they truly meet God. It is different than just this, like we go to church and we're like, Come on, guys, worship. Uh, Jesus. Uh. That's not worship. Because you're not finding worth in Jesus. You're not truly encountering something that is worthy to you. Does that make sense? Again, it's not to make you feel bad. It's just a fact that worship is what is really worthy to you. And you look at it and you're like, there's nothing greater. When you see this, I just imagine Moses was like, dude, just everything just drops the wayside. Nothing is as important as this. And you guys remember what God's name is revealed to Moses? You guys remember? Yohei Vathe. That's the, uh, if you just took the Hebrew letters of the name of God, that's what it is. It was so holy to the people of Israel that, it, in fact, we don't even know how to pronounce it anymore. People think Yahweh, that's a guess. You know, this is probably the best guess that we have, right? But what it literally means is I am that I am. I am. (laughs) What is that saying? Moses, I am here. I am that I am. And I'm here with you. You guys are looking for me. And you think I'm out there. You think you got to cry out and I'm not listening. You got to cry out louder. I hear you loud and clear. I hear your suffering. I hear the people. I am. I'm here. I'm with you. Right? This God can always be with us. But friends, I just want to implore you. I want to encourage you. Right? I mean, we're going to keep on learning. It's not going to be my words that convince you. It is going to be the experience of being with God. Right? And, and I want to encourage you, friends, that we got to find that. we got to find what is truly worthy to you. Again, I'm being honest, by the way. Not everyone may like this, but if money is really worth more than God, go chase money. If it really would give you more than God, go chase it. Why not? <laughs> but what I'm saying, and I stake my life on this, is that it's not. God is way more valuable, way more worthwhile. Guys, I want to read to you. This is a very famous uh, quote about worship. And it's by a famous author who's this postmodern author who's not a Christian, by the way. Um, It's very famous because uh, it's by David Foster Wallace, and he gave this uh, speech at a commencement speech. So it's like literally at graduation, right? But it's one of the most famous graduation speeches ever given. And people have like turned it into a book and all these things, and David Foster Wallace is no longer here. Um, But it has like lived on. And it, it, some of you may have heard it uh, because Tim Keller loves this, this, this address. And it's in almost every single book that Tim Keller has ever wrote, written. So if you, written, <laughs> if you read a Tim Keller book, you probably know it in some form. Some people call it uh, This is Water because that's how he starts it. Uh, but I want to read for you the part about worship. And even if you've heard it before, because I've read it many times, I've heard it many times, 
But every time I read it, I, I seriously get something new out of it. So I want to read it for you. Pretty much not the entire speech, because that's way too long for us, but just the part about worship. And it's like two, three minutes, so if you would bear with me. Um, I'm going to throw it up on screen so you can see it too. But this is what he says about worship. Again, this is coming from a non-Christian, okay? He says, in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. So friends, think about this. Again, this is a non-Christian saying this. He's saying everyone worships. You worship something because it's about worth. It's what you find ultimate worth in. The only choice we get is what we worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. I mean, that is so (laughs) descriptive. Uh, And he goes to explain, if you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. Why? Because they don't last, right? It's the truth. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. On one level, we all know this stuff already. It's been codified as myths, proverbs, cliches, epigrams, parables, the skeleton of every great story. The whole trick is keeping the truth up front in daily consciousness. Again, we're not paying attention. We got tunnel vision. Worship power, and you will end up feeling weak and afraid. And you will need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. In fact, Over the next few weeks, friends, we're going to talk about power. That's just a little sneak preview. Worship your intellect. Being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. But the insidious thing about these forms of worship is not that they're evil or sinful. It's that they're unconscious. They are default settings. They're the kind of worship you just gradually slip into day after day, getting more and more selective about what you see and how you measure value without ever being fully aware, that's what you're doing. So again, friends, it's about where we find our worth. What David Foster Wallace is saying is that we're all going to do it. Some of us just aren't aware that we're doing it, right? And one of the problems I find in the church is that we have all this language about worship, and we're not really worshiping God. Not this way where you find the ultimate worth. We say that if we just give a little lip service at church, that somehow that's worship. But really, for many of us, we just slip into the same kind of practical atheism everyone else has. We live as if there is no God, there is no ultimate reality, but this stuff. That is the world we live in. And so we worship this stuff. We think this stuff will make us happy. And at the end of the day, it won't. It'll leave you feeling empty. It'll leave you always feeling like you don't have enough. But if God is always at your right hand, if God is always here, then you'll never feel hungry or thirsty or lacking. Friends, why is it that physical things will never satisfy you? Material things will never satisfy you. You know why? Now, it partially satisfies you. You know why? Because you're partially material. (laughs) you're stuff. You're made out of stuff. You're made out of flesh and blood. So, of course, food is going to satisfy you on some level. But the deepest part of you 
is not stuff. It's not flesh and blood. The deepest part of you is spiritual. So understand this, friends. If you don't hear anything else today, I hope you hear this. The reason why you're never satisfied by earthly stuff, by material stuff, is because the deepest part of you is spirit. And spirit can only be satisfied by spiritual things. Yo, that is a huge revelation when you realize that. That's why. You already know this. You already feel this. You already suspect this. That what this world is telling you, that you're just stuff, and that one day you'll be in the ground and you'll just rot away and that's it, you just know that's not true. You know there is something within you that is eternal. There's something that will live on. There's something greater than this stuff. So if you just try to feed your spirit with stuff, your spirit is going to be like, mm, yo, this is just like a rotten meal. <laughs> this is so unsatisfying. I need the real deal. And you're only going to be fed on spirits, right? And so we need to find that spirit. So friends, I want to close just reading uh, that verse 8 again. Because I think that as you see this whole picture, I think it'll make a lot more sense. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So friends, I want to encourage you. We've got to find ways to do that. That's what we're doing when we worship. That's what we're doing when we read the Bible. It's not just you're reading the Bible so you can satisfy an angry God who's going to be angry if you don't read enough words. What is that? That's not Christianity. You're trying to find what is true, what is lovely, right? When you read the stories about Jesus, you're going to see that, right? And, and, and if you're open to it, and if your eyes are open enough, Right? And if you're open to that experience and you think about these things and you meditate upon these things and you're looking for these things, I think you will find them. Because, friends, this is what I know. Spirit is seeking spirit. The Holy Spirit is seeking you. If you can be open to it, to say, I don't want all of the stuff. It's not going to satisfy. It's just never going to be enough. I will never be satisfied until I find your spirit, God. Until I'm filled with your spirit, I'm always going to be a little hungry. I'm always going to be a little bit dissatisfied. And so, praise team, if you could come up, maybe just take a moment to just let that soak in. Friends, it does take a little intentionality. As David Foster Wallace says, it's a default setting to just chase the things of this world, right? We have earthly appetites because, yeah, I mean, you're partly material. And that lower part of you is going to want that. But if you really want to feed the really deep places in your heart, if you want to elevate, you're going to need spirit. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need spiritual things. You're going to need the things that only God can give you. that moment in prayer or worship 
It just feels like the whole world is just fading away. It's like the whole room gets lighter. Your vision gets clearer. You experience a joy that you never knew you could, because you are touching something really deep. You are touching spirits. You are touching the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is touching you and activating within you your own spirit. It's like, man, I didn't even know that I was this thirsty. I didn't know that I could be this satisfied. I didn't know that I could have this much joy. You're like Moses, just in awe of this living God, this holy God, this glorious and beautiful God, and you know that reality is spiritual. It changes everything. It changes the way that you look. Friends, can we just pray for that? Maybe you can say, "God, open my eyes. Help me to behold Your beauty." Lord, I'm sorry, not because I fear punishment somehow, but because I know I've been eating inferior stuff. I've been feeding on it. I've been thinking about it. I just have been living this default. I've been living in the darkness. I've been living with this tunnel vision, and my eyes need to be open. I need to see what is worthy. I need to see what is truly beautiful. I, my eyes want to behold you in your presence, in your Holy Spirit. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else is as beautiful. Nothing else is as glorious. It may not be in this moment that I experience that, but Lord, I want to believe that it's so worth seeking that I will not be satisfied with anything else. Show me your glory. Show me your presence. Reveal it to me. Christ in me, and I in you. Spirit speaking to spirit. Spiritual feeding the spirit. God, we need you, Lord. We love you, God. Show us your beauty, your glory, your worth. Now and forevermore. Amen.